Is this better? So good afternoon, everybody. So glad to be here. And uh, I'm not going to get into a long, drawn discussion or um, you know an introduction. But um, you know, we are talking about a very pertinent topic today, which is mental health and the techniques that we use to cope with it, because we're just coming out of a pandemic. And so let me ask you the question first. When I say mental health, what are the what is the first image or first word that comes on your mind when I say these two innocuous sounding words? Mental health. Would any of you like to answer? Okay, and what else? Anxiety. Anxiety and something that is not yet accepted by the society. Exactly. So stigma. That's what comes to our mind when we say these two words, mental health. You know, when I ask people this question, normally they look at me very strangely. Uh, you know, why is she asking us this question? Does she need help? You know, is our mask kind of coming off and she can see the unease? Or sometimes they get offended that, you know, why is she asking us this question at a fun party that we are in? It's a serious topic. so. They don't normally want to discuss it, they want to brush it under the carpet. Our society still doesn't want to deal with something which is a reality that we are all dealing with right now. And so people are still very uh, uncomfortable dealing with this topic. And hence, with Ms. Miniwe, I am going to discuss uh, without any further delay, I am just going to quickly get into it. The first question to you is, what according to you is mental health? And, you know, you've worked uh, extensively with uh, people from rural backgrounds on women empowerment. you worked for human rights, you've written on it. So is this an extension to your work or is it because you deal with people at such an expansive level and you uh, interact with them so much? It was that how writing about mental health became the need of the hour? Uh, no, actually not. Um, I, uh, for the last uh, 35 years of my career, uh, I mostly write on, I mean, I've made films and uh, reported on uh, issues in rural India. And like you mentioned, you know, women empowerment. And in fact, my last book uh, wasn't, and they are the elephant, was Those Magnificent Women and Their Flying Machines, the ISRO Women's Analysts. That was the last. Um, so, uh, my writing on mental health actually has nothing to do with what I've done uh, in these, uh, you know, 30, 35 odd years. Uh, it's it's actually my good reality. So, you know, like me and my friend Mahatma Gandhi, we always speak the truth. So, I, that what I, I started writing about mental health um, even before the pandemic, but mostly during uh, the pandemic because I felt that it's time to come out of the closet of, uh, you know, having dealt with depression for 30, 30 odd years off and on. At the time that it first uh, began, for me, the, there was uh, very little help available at that time. Yeah? The, if you had to go to a psychiatrist, you didn't tell anybody, you didn't even tell your family. 
you didn't tell your people uh, that you work with because you know you were so scared. You know, maybe they will think that I can't work, and and uh, you know sort of <laughs> there will be a stigma. So at that time, the stigma was so bad that even if you went to a psychiatrist's office, you pretended to want there. No, you stood near the window with your back to the receptionist. Some some of them used to have different rooms. Uh, you know, for patients to come in and exit, so that we don't see other, you know, fellow patients and all. So at that time, it was very difficult. There was the concept of therapy in terms of counselling, and counsellors was just not there. You only had doctors uh, and medicines, and most of those medicines also SSRIs made you fat, and that also added to your depression. So it was like an uphill task. And to start with the uh, first question of what is mental health. If people think that uh, mental health patients are those who are, you know, sort of uh, weepy, sad, crying all the time, irritable, angry, uh, no, that's that's not true. It, it could be the person sitting, and her case, the person sitting next to her, which is me. You may have a full functional life, and you may be uh, successful. You know, you may bring out books. <laughs> and make documentary films, which is what I did, and yet you could be a high, it's called high functioning uh, professional who deals with this. And uh, those kind of people have it much worse because you, you always have to put on a mask. So what I did during the pandemic was to do the opposite of what they asked you to do, which is to wear a mask, I took off my mask, the mental mask of, of uh, always, you know, hiding. And I just came out in the open and said I'm going to write about it. And so I started writing articles and uh, blogs and, and telling people my story because I believe that survivors tell the best stories. They are the people who've gone through it and they know what works, what doesn't work. And that's how I sort of just came out of it and said, let's get the conversation started. That's very true. In fact, uh, when I post the question to uh, our students, uh, you know, our audience members said anxiety, fear, and depression. So uh, after the pandemic, I think we've all gone through some level of these um, feelings, and uh, we have understood that uh, that we are this is not natural. And if it is natural, then do you think these conversations that we are having now in such mainstream platforms? are because of this collective experience that we've had yes. or do you think uh, that this is like an out of the ordinary and we're just starting out and it needs to happen more often? I think um, the pandemic brought home to a lot, many more people just a glimpse of what our lives are like. People who deal with depression on a daily basis, off and on, off and on, off and on, which is not like, I'm not scaring anyone by saying that, okay, because I've had it for 30 years, it's always there. No, there are valleys and shrubs, and you get out of it also, and you need long uh, periods where you're absolutely fine. But uh, the pandemic just gave people a glimpse because everybody felt fear. There is not a single person in the audience, I'm quite sure, who hasn't felt um, the minute you get a little tickle in your nose or a sore throat that, oh my god, this is COVID. And then from there you start worrying and you know the fears and uh, all your anxiety increases. So that um, collective experience, fear of uncertainty, not even that you will get COVID, but uncertainty, when is this going to end? Is this ever going to end? Is my life always going to be like this? 
am I never going to get work? These are the thoughts that keep, you know, uh, spiraling in your head, the what if scenario. And that is what led people to at least be a little open to more conversations, to read more and discuss more, which is a very, very good thing. It has come a bit late. <laughs> it should have started earlier and it took a pandemic to bring that, but better late than never. So let's involve the audience a little bit. Can you raise your hands if any of you felt any of these feelings during the pandemic? We all felt slightly scared, as uh, many members were saying, that there, there was this feeling of fear and uncertainty. Did you all feel it? Yeah. And we're still feeling it. Yeah, right? we're still feeling it because the new strain that is coming yeah. out and that we're hearing about is again, you know, making us slightly wary. So, uh, coming to the next question, I wanted to know what are the stigmas or misconceptions or myths that you faced when you actually, as you said, unmasked yourself? Uh, well, the stigmas are there uh, right from the beginning. Uh, it's uh, it's like mental illness, whether it's depression or anxiety or a panic attack, is something that people think you have done to yourself. Yeah? They don't take it seriously. There is a certain amount of shame uh, involved in that, It's it, which you can see from the responses that you get from people. Admittedly, today it's a little better, but earlier times it was, uh, so what have you got to be depressed about? This is the kind of question which is asked to even Nipika Padukhan when she came out with it. Hey, you're a top actress, what have you got to be depressed about? Nobody is being, nobody is depressed willfully, believe me. It is a terrible, terrible uh, condition and nobody does it, uh, you know, to themselves. So they want to. It, nobody wants to. You know, it's like, if I just give you a visual, it's like swimming in glue. That's what the life of a depressive is on a daily basis. Sadness, grief is not depression. Depression, it doesn't have to have a reason. Yeah. So a lot of the stigma came from the responses. Why don't you go for a walk? Why don't you go join the gym? One hour in the gym. Why don't you get a puppy? Why don't you go out and meet your friends? Why don't you go and see a film? As if these things are going to, you know, take off, uh, take away your depression. It may make you feel better temporarily. I'm not denying any of those, but the responses of people, this is the response. So if, if somebody had a heart attack, will you tell that person, no, I, I don't think this what you're, what you're experiencing is, is really a heart attack, you might go for a walk or go for a run. You won't. You will give medical attention. You will take it seriously. Nobody takes mental health seriously. Today they do because everybody has experienced just a little bit of it. But they didn't at that time. The stigmas are very, very strong. They continue to be strong. People, uh, blame you, in a sense, for being depressed. So it's always, you know, chalo, get up and get moving. That's, that's the thing. So you just said, in fact, you mentioned a while back that you've lived this experience. Yes. Uh, were there any, I mean, obviously you must have found coping strategies that worked for you. So uh, would you like to share some of those with us? Yes, absolutely. Um, First of all, I'd like to make it very clear that anybody having a mental health issue or thinking that they, uh, you know, are, have been feeling panicky, scared, uh, fearful, low, not able to get up and, you know, sort of do work, not able to get out of bed, please see a professional. 
So uh, I am only speaking from my reality. I'm speaking as a sufferer. I'm speaking as somebody who who writes about it regularly. Therefore, reads a lot also about uh, what works for people, what doesn't work, what works for me. But by and large, if at all there is a problem, ask for help. Seek a professional, a professional help. So coping strategies that have worked for me, apart from uh, earlier medication and then talking to. Uh, therapists and counsellors, is uh, really, I've actually made friends with it, with the depression now. That, that's really uh, the only way you can get out of it because it's, it's there in your life, it's constantly there. Some days it will be there stronger, some days it will be less. It's your companion, so you accept it. Acceptance for me is the first uh, step. Um, then you do whatever feels good to you, you do whatever eases your, uh, uh, your fears or your anxiety, whatever it can be. Like for me, sometimes it is, is watching OTT, binge watching or, or you know, comfort food. Comfort food sometimes <laughs> works in double ways because if you just eat like uh, I used to work in about 30 kilos because I used to eat cartons of ice cream at night because I was depressed. So it, it's kind of... Wouldn't we call that emotional eating? Yes, that's emotional eating. Absolutely. So that it helps. Sorry? But it helps. It helps for that at that moment. And the next day, like, you know, all drunkards who say, no, okay, in the morning I will not drink, I will not drink. And then they, by the evening, at night, if you're depressed, and then you have Baskin Robbins in your freezer, you will open it and take it and eat. So <laughs> that's a year to trend uh, sort of uh, line over there. Yeah, the most important thing that has worked for me um, through, you know, realizing through therapy, but also through living it, is to catch it at the beginning. So, you know, what, what I call the what if cycle. Once the what if cycle begins, it is very difficult to break it. Yeah, so for example, uh, I'd, I'd like to give this uh, example of uh, Arjun and uh, Krishna and the Mahabharata. It's a famous uh, scene. So Arjun refuses to fight and Krishna uh, asks him, so why are you not fighting? So he, the answer is epic and which led to the Gita because that was really the answer that Krishna gave him. Arjun said, if I pick up the bow, because I am, uh, uh, you know, I am the warrior that I am and I have learned and I have all the tools and all, I will kill all these people in front. So all my family will be there. So when I die, there will be nobody to give, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, fire to my funeral, my buyer, and therefore I will not go, uh, my soul will not attain nirvana because there will be nobody left. So, from he, where has he taken it? What was the question? Why are you not fighting? And he took it to, after my death, I will not get, uh, you know, nirvana moksha because there will be nobody there. So, that's when uh, Krishna gives him the whole lecture. So, uh, just to give an example, my example linked to what is, I had a stomach ache which lasted for about 2-3 uh, months off and on, off and on and uh, then it got worse <laughs> and then I started thinking, this is despite being in therapy, despite going uh, to doctors and being aware of trying to, but still it can happen, so you have to catch it earlier, I started thinking, what if this is stomach cancer and what if it is um, uh, you know, like what Steve Jobs had, and then you know, okay, he's Steve Jobs, he could survive seven years 
uh, even after a, a stomach cancer diagnosis, but I don't want to go through all that. I don't want to go through chemotherapy, this, that, and the other. So I will enroll myself in Dignitas, which is a euthanasia thing in, in, the, in, the, in Geneva. And I go there, and then the next thought was, oh, but the pandemic is on, so uh, you know, I've taken Covaxin, so I won't be able to travel. From where to where without even a simple test. So I got the test done, it just turned out to be irritable bowel syndrome. And what was the treatment for that? Reduced stress. So, <laughs> you know, if you catch your cycle early, if I had caught it earlier and not put myself through the whole torture of, you know, what if this happens, what if that happens, the what if has to stop right in the beginning. Because once it sort of overtakes you, then your reasoning power has gone. And till it comes back, you will suffer. So these are just small things that have helped. Another thing is to pat yourself on the back for the things that you have achieved. Yeah, it's not, you can't, you can't always be looking at big pictures. So I can't always be happy only if my new book comes out or a big celebrity, you know, comes for the launch or a new film is shown on NETV or whatever. All of which has happened in the past that I've had felt very happy about those things. But don't look for the big joys. You just look back yourself on the back for the small things that you've done. If you're feeling low and you'll be able to get out of bed and brush your teeth, have a bath and, you know, just survive for that day, that's good enough. So, so you know, mark your little, little victories and your triumphs. And that's really, uh, and be kind to yourself. You know, there, there are no shoulds in mental illness. This is the first thing that they teach you also in therapy. There is no should. You should be feeling like this. You should do this. You should be positive, be strong. I hate these words because they are value, they judgmental words. What is being strong? What is being uh, positive? You know, don't, don't put value, value uh, judgments on these terms. So these are the things that have helped for me mostly. And what uh, should be done by me might not be the should that you should do, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's different reality for uh, different people. The other thing people say is, take care. It is the most meaningless term I have ever seen and everybody uses it. And, and now I sort of can stop myself saying it for the last two or three years. What does it mean, take care? Take care because I won't be there to take care of you. You take care of yourself. No. What the thing, so th there's a whole laundry list of acceptable responses or helpful response, responses when dealing with people who have, uh, you know, mental illness. So the biggest, the only, the six words that help me the most is somebody saying, I hear you, I'm listening, what can I do to help? And then you ask them, what form of help you need because most people are so uncomfortable with mental health uh, patients or depression or anxiety or bipolar disorder they don't know what to say so because they don't know what to say they prefer to sort of just ignore it yeah or at the end because they are they want to help but they don't know how to so they just say take care which if i'm depressed i read it as take care because we are going to take care of you so learn to ask for help but on the other hand of course please don't uh, ever dismiss uh, somebody's uh, mental illness. You know, be kind. Be kind. People don't fake depression. People fake being okay. That's a quote by Robin Williams. And Robin Williams or Anthony Bourdain, all these are people who did so well, such wonderful uh, uh, people. In fact, comedy, Robin Williams, and yet he suffered from depression all his life. 
So be kind. That's really the message. How important is journaling? I want to ask the audience, do any of you write diaries? Do you journal? Do you write in your diary about your day? Couple of you. Okay. So, uh, how does that help you? Would any of you, can I take a moment and ask? How does that help? Can any of you answer? The ones who raised your hands. It empties me of all that shit that has happened that day. Okay. Anybody else? I like to do the brain down. Okay, brain down. It makes me more present. Sorry? It makes me more present. More present. Okay. What I do is, uh, say, today is 28th of November, yeah. 2021. When I'm writing 28th November, then I look back on 28th November, 2020, 1918. So I actually... You can see the evolution yeah, so of I your... So I have my four-year journey with me Anybody else? That's, that's an excellent way to measure yourself. It helps me to understand the emotion that I've missed that day. That's excellently put. I think that is what you were trying to say also. Uh, but you know, you were answering uh, the question that was in my mind while you were talking. That how do you know? As a person, you said that don't uh, dismiss depression. But how would a person, a friend, for example, I'm sitting next to someone and I feel there's something wrong which is a little bit more than sadness because you know you can sense that your friend is slightly sad or your family there is something but this is something more so beyond saying that uh, you know I'm there and I hear you which is very pertinent I think what more can I do? You can ask them what's wrong that's as you said that people don't ask people don't ask they shy away from asking so this because this has happened to me so many many times including friends family members also uh, they are uncomfortable with your emotion, but that is not my problem. That is your problem. If you are uncomfortable with uh, with uh, uh, somebody else's uh, fears or somebody else's emotion, uh, that's why I say that people who are suffering from mental illness should also specify the kind of help because y your family or your friends may not know how to help, exactly how to help. They may say the wrong thing. So, for instance, telling me that, you know, go for a walk really irritates me a lot because you have no clue what is going on in my mind and going for a walk is not going to help it. Sometimes it will help, but that's not your solution. So, I would say be, be sensitive. Empathy is the big, much maligned word, much used word, but rarely shown. Rarely, rarely shown, which is why I said the pandemic has done a great service to mental health uh, uh, patients and sufferers uh, because for a little bit of the time you have stepped in our shoes and you're talking of the general public and see what it is like to lead a life where you get up in the morning and you're fearful about everything. It's like there is, I mean, I'm describing physically like somebody sitting on your chest and you know doing thunder on it, your stomach clenching, headache irritable bowel syndrome, all these are physical aspects and most of the time you have to put on a mask because uh, you know a facade and you need double lives and when, when it gets really to an extreme you can't do it anymore, you're fed up, that's when somebody else will actually notice that you know something is wrong because to use a personal example I just stopped talking.
Like this happened last year for about two, three months. I just stopped talking to people because I was going through a really bad phase. Also, pandemic was physically, you know, uh, putting you in the house. You couldn't go out. You couldn't hug anybody. Uh, you know, tactile touch is very, very important. Not just to mental health people, everybody. You know, affection is very important. Uh, so I just stopped talking, and that is where my family members found. Okay, oh, she's she, she's really not talking about anything. Something must be wrong. So let's talk to her doctor and find out. Like that. But mostly, it, it's you have to put yourself out there a little bit and ask, and not just say take care. And if the other person wants to talk to you for half an hour, bloody listen. Listen, don't just say take care and go and then suppose that person commits, uh, uh, dies by suicide, you don't say commits suicide, dies by suicide. After that, there's a point in telling the funeral and say, oh, I didn't even know. She was always smiling, she used to joke, she wrote a book, she, she made, made uh, so many films and you, I didn't know. Bullshit, that's not true. You can make out by somebody, no, you just don't want to engage with that person. And really, you know, spend that little time, which is why empathy and kindness are the biggest, biggest phrases and things that you can help. Uh, that's a very big lesson I think we'll all take from here today. Uh, what are the struggles that you faced uh, during the time of the pandemic? That that is that like uh, you know stand out in your mind when you think of those phases. Um, well, uh, it's it's the what if syndrome, really. Yeah. Uh, so every time you have a pickle in your throat, if you're going to think that that is COVID, and then because uh, you know you're, you are who you are in terms of age, in terms of comorbidities, you start imagining, uh, I want to die in an ICU on a ventilator. So from where to where, you know, you haven't had, I haven't even had a COVID test done. You don't even have fever. You have nothing. No symptom. Kuch nahi hai. But that is your fear, that is your what if worst case scenarios which happen in your mind all the time and that's where you land up. So the, the way to deal with it, which is what therapists also tell you, my therapist also told me, is to focus on the known, not the unknown. The fear of the unknown is the biggest, biggest cause for any kind of anxiety, panic, depression, mental illness, the fear of the unknown. So focus on what is known. As far as COVID is concerned, we do know masking helps, we do know vaccination helps, we do know social distancing helps. So look, focus on that. So the raft that you have, doesn't matter if the sea is, you know, turbulent, you're in the raft now, at least focus on the raft. Don't focus on the sea, which uh, will sort of may or may not cause your raft to capsize. So stay in the present and do what you can do. Yeah. I think that is, the, that is what we're trying to Absolutely. Do what works for you. Yeah. What, what works for me may not work for you, but do just just you know don't put pressure on yourself for outsiders or how it will look or you know I'm I used to call them my ninety days. I still do. I'm having a ninety day, or you say I'm taking a mental health day, which is I'm going to do nothing today. I'm not going to get out of bed or I'm going to lie in bed or I'm going to watch TV. This that I'm going to binge. I'm not going to talk to people. Do what makes you feel good without guilt. That's what I say, you know, taking a night away. And it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine to allow yourself to be good to yourself. And, and that's such an important thing that you just said, that allow yourself not to do anything. Because I think as 
uh, you know, this generation, our generation and our country and our society teaches us that if you haven't done something which has an output at the end of the day, then you wasted your day. You know, that's, that's how you grow up. So that which end may result on a day, you know, so, uh, so for sure, now that's a very profound thought that we are going to go away with. And with that very hopeful note that we'll stay in the moment, that we will make sure that if we feel that uh, our friends or our relatives are, there is something not right, we do step up and ask them and ask them to trust in us to listen to them. Yeah. So Absolutely. I'm going to open the floor to questions, if you have any. Do you want to can, can you hear me? Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. That's a small. So two thoughts come to mind. A, how many times have you been told you're oversensitive? Mm. And, and B, uh, I'm sure you are uh, a sensitive observer and you know you look around. Who or what kind of people to your mind are the kind of people who you think how would you describe correct mental wellness? We've understood or we've heard from you. Uh, where are the gaps? What according to you is in a good frame of mental health? Um, not succumbing to any of the things that I have just mentioned. Yeah. Um, to me, that is, see, because being mentally well is not absence of illness. It is actually being happy. Being happy. I My aim in life, through, even though I've, been, I've like struggled with this, uh, you know, all, uh, for 30 odd years, uh, my aim in life is not to not be depressed. My aim in life is to be happy. So whatever it takes to get you there, for a large part of my, uh, you know, sort of struggle with uh, mental illness, it, it's, it's been my work. The work has been the only mainstay. I will say that openly and categorically because at the time that, uh, you know, I, this whole thing began for me, it was a personal loss, you know, or death and stuff. There is nothing like grief counseling. So your post-traumatic stress disorder of 30 years ago, something that happened 30 years ago, still continues to plague you and your present. So it's not absence of depression. The idea is to lead a fulfilled life. So work-wise, yeah, all the boxes are ticked. I've you know done all types of work: print journalist, TV journalist, books, documentary filmmaking. Still do that. It's a large, and I'm writing a fiction book now. It's a large part of um, my coping strategy is to work. It is, you know, and it's, it's to work 16, earlier go 16 hours a day. Now with age, you slow down a little bit. And, you know, and also you learn to be kind to yourself and say, it doesn't matter if I don't write my thousand words a day, which, uh, you know, Jerry Pinto is to like trim, drum down into it, all his friends. Thousand words a day, you're the writer. Um, so it's okay, it's okay to be kind, but uh, that's that's how it was, that's how it was. Is there a medical trigger to depression? Um, see, for me, it started with a trigger and then when the event was over, you know, you, you get past it, somebody dies, you get past it. it, it it's not a raw wound like it was when death actually happens. Um, and that's personal, so I'm not going to that part of it. But in many cases, there is something. That's what I'm saying. People always ask you, what have you got to be depressed about? 
Like they ask me all the time, you know, when to put your successful your books and films and this and that and the other. What do you got to be What has Deepika Padukone got to be depressed about? She should not have to answer that. Nobody should have to justify that I am depressed because X person has died or because I have a life-threatening illness. It it it's a state. It's an illness. It's an illness. So you know, it, just like I have uh, blood pressure. If, if my uh, BP doctor was to tell me, go for a walk, get a puppy, go meet your friends. Or if, you're, if you break a leg, if you break a leg, an example, that my therapist used to give me earlier also. We do not rest if you break a leg. You, nobody will tell you, go and go for a run, right? So I'm, I'm just bringing on the run part because this is the most common thing that you get. Exercise karo sakti ko jaya. So yeah, so I have a follow-up question. Yeah. So, if somebody comes in, so let's say these kids who come in, what suggestion would you give me so that I'm able to avoid depression? Is there an answer to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's now a lot more information in terms of even resources on mental health online, available online. Um, don't go for the two-week counsellor type people. So there are people who do, you know, counselling courses, counsellor courses for two weeks and then call themselves therapists. And, you know, they do that just to get uh, Instagram likes and all the rest of it. But there are real people, there are real people, organisations like um, Maragala Health Institute, like Empower, like uh, Centre for Mental Health uh, Law and Policy. Uh, sanity by Talmoy, uh, support groups like crowd, crowd depressors, there are people who work in uh, villages in rural India, like the ant, my next friends uh, are there, um, helping people. So there is a vast uh, uh, ecosystem or resource available to youngsters today, which was not available 30 years back. So uh, the, the groups are there, the forums are there, you can, uh, you know, follow them. So many of them post things um, like um, I wish I had the slides uh, if I could bring them but I can't use it here where, where you can identify that you know there are all these things and where are you where are you in your in this uh, thing if you're, if you're constantly feeling sad irritable not able to work um, fighting with people so there, there are indicators so if, if you tick off those boxes then the help is available so to start with help is available as information uh, on social media, on the internet, and then if, if you still think that you need more help, then I would always, always suggest professional help, not, uh, not uh, online help, or certainly not the internet for actual diagnosis and, and treatment. Uh, but it, it's a great help if you, to identify. So maybe you're just feeling sad because something has happened. That, that's not depression. Sadness is not depression. Grief is not depression. Fear is not depression. Depression is un, unexplainable sometimes. It, it's just there. It's, it's sitting inside like a you know, snake coil in your stomach which, which causes the stomach to chug. And then it lifts. But also, I don't want to you know, sort of depress anybody here for want of a better word. It passes. It doesn't stay always. There are, there are phases, it comes and goes. So with the right treatment, with counselling, cognitive behaviour therapy, various other kinds of therapy, it can certainly be controlled and treated and you can be well again. So that's a hopeful thing. Your book, do you have a copy of your book while we can't read you? Uh, no, I'm so sorry. Is <laughs> on your phone? Can you see the cover? Show the cover? 
I don't have the book. I I on your phone the cover of the book. Is that um, possible? If you can tell me the name of your book, I'll... Uh, yeah, but uh, that book is not on mental health. Oh, I see. Okay. No, no. I write about mental health. I will send you links. Okay, sure. Or links to all of the articles that I have written on mental health. I'll, I'll send them to you. I write very often, in fact. Yeah. That's fine. 
Let's pat yourself on the back for the small things that you achieve. Don't wait for big goals. Small goals are good enough. And the last question is that uh, if if I am angry and if I want to share something with someone, I don't personally like that the person says something back to me. I just want you to you know be mum and yeah. not say anything. Yes, yes. How could you suggest? So please, please, please just listen. Please just. I actually write sometimes. Like look, these these kind of uh, <laughs> angry sometimes angry thoughts also come to me at two o'clock at night, and I send messages to people who are unfortunately close to me, and then have to read it at two o'clock in the morning or in the day. Uh, so I, I like that. Like I'm I'm just saying this to get it out of my system. Please don't reply because your reply will trigger me a lot more. It it will actually make things worse sometimes. So if, if you are in that state of mind, but I've, I've seen in most cases, at least in my case, if somebody shows empathy and kindness, I'm likely to talk rather than shut myself in my room and be lonely and even more miserable. There, there is nothing compared to the loneliness of a person who's going through depression. Nothing on earth. Because in a physical illness, it's visible. People will come, people will say. Mental illness, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, they are invisible and are much, much more harmful. Do we have any more questions? So I think on that note, yeah, I think we have one. Yeah. If I may ask, uh, most of the time, the person who usually has a concept of what's going outside I can't actually hear, I'm sorry. Because of the mask also, no? it's a bit... Yeah. So many people have battled that in the pandemic. So many people, you know, people who are like 45, 50, just, you know, sort of died for lack of uh, uh, oxygen in a, in a hospital bed. So those things, those are external events. You really can't do anything. But the only thing you can do is, is to be aware and, and catch the, the spiral before it shoots out of your control. So awareness and acceptance on a daily basis, like walking, treading that path every single day with awareness. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we had a lovely audience. Yeah, really. Sorry, the mic was not working. And uh, so I thank you 
for being here and for being so engaging and interacting with us and not making it seem as if we are just talking to yeah. you know so it was thank you for being such a wonderful audience and i'm going to hand it over to kushi now